Hello everyone, and welcome to Food Navigator Asia's monthly podcast, the FNA Food and Beverage Trailblazers. This is a series where we speak to and get to know more about groundbreaking food and beverage firms in the Asia-Pacific region, as well as the people behind them and their stories. I am Pearlie, the editor of Food Navigator Asia, and as always, I am your host for this series. Joining me today is Dr. David Kitchen, creator of Groundbreaking Energy Drink Kanguru, which is based in Australia and has also just launched into South Korea earlier this year. Dr. Kitchen is also a full-time ophthalmologist based in Queensland, Australia, which is an interesting factoid we'll be coming back to a little bit later. So hello, Dr. Kitchen. Welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. Well, Pearlie, thank you very much for having me on. It's uh, a privilege and uh, I'm looking forward to um, sharing some of my insights and experience. Very nice to have you here indeed. And perhaps we can start off by talking a little bit about Kanguru and also your focus on what I understand is a no sugar, no crash energy drink. That's a really sort of like a very impressive sort of resume formulation sort there. So since I have the creator of the drink with me here today, the natural first question here would have to be, what inspired you to come up with the idea for such a premium energy drink? You know, it's pretty unique in terms of its formulation and its ingredients. So I used to, um, um, I used to have coffee, uh, like a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. I used to have, um, I hate to say, cream and sugar in my coffee. Um, and uh, and then I was in middle age and trying to get my weight down and. So I thought it's going to be a bit, a bit of something better, and I, I knew I was obviously aware of um, energy drinks in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't particularly enamoured by uh, the thought of them, and um, so I started looking around to see what what I could drink besides coffee because I didn't want to have. I tried black coffee, couldn't get there uh, without mm-hmm. sugar. Um, so um, I had a bit of a look around, and uh, I was quite surprised. There really wasn't anything that I felt comfortable consuming mm-hmm. myself. Being a, a medical practitioner, I took a scientific uh, evidence-based approach looking at the ingredients and was researching the ingredients and seeing um, where the evidence was for ingredient X or Y or Z and uh, how good that evidence was, how consistent the evidence was. And and from there, I started to uh, thinking, well, you know, I could I could uh, do something a bit better than that. What were sort of some of the main hurdles that you faced, you know, had to overcome when you came to putting all these ingredients together to make this drink? The formulation is unique for for a couple of main reasons. Uh, one is the ingredients themselves, mm-hmm. and not all ingredients are created equal. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it's, if you take ginseng, for example, um, there's variations of ginseng. People have heard of Siberian ginseng and American ginseng and Korean red ginseng. And there's actually uh, virtually no uh, drinks that have Korean red ginseng in them. Uh, when I was developing the formula, I wanted the, the best formula I could create. I didn't think about the cost, none of that, mm-hmm. which which uh, <laughs> in retrospect, um, not necessarily <laughs> the right decision, but still I, I wanted to get the best formula I could. So that was, that was hurdle one. Then the next hurdle was how do you make that into a drink? Uh, I tinkered around a bit myself with my basic chemistry and uh, I quickly hit, hit my uh, limits for that. So <laughs> I, uh, I was fortunate to come across um, a fellow who was a very experienced uh, chemical engineer um, very experienced in the beverage industry, uh, Wayne Haggy, who's now um, our chief scientific officer, mm. uh, to to make this a um, a functional drink. That is one that we could firstly get the ingredients dissolved into without having bits floating around, um, mm. and then um, have one that would taste not only palatable but taste nice. Uh, and I don't know if, you, if people have tasted these botanicals. Um, 
but they're really bitter, <laughs> really bitter. And um, it's not just the ingredient that we have. It's also the amount of the ingredients. So mm -hmm. The other critical parameter in the drink is having real effective amounts. Uh, so you can say we have um, ginseng or we have green tea or, or whatever ingredient it might be. And, but if you, if you look into it, most of them have sub-therapeutic amounts. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, being a doctor, to me, it's like saying, well, here's a paracetamol, but <laughs> I'm going to give you 1,000th of a tablet. You know, it doesn't do anything. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. to have the, uh, the, the therapeutic or the active amounts of the ingredients uh, to actually do something reasonable, as the evidence shows, um, you need to have substantial amounts, which adds to the cost, but also to the bitterness. Mm -hmm. So, that was the, one of the big hurdles. And that's what took a lot and a lot of time and effort mm -hmm. and research. Given the current situation with you know, COVID-19 and people having to stay home a lot more now, so how do you think Kangaroo is being able to remain relevant for consumers you know, so that they keep this as part of their daily diets? Relevant in a number of ways. I mean, the ingredients that we have, um, it's, it's, it's not an energy drink per se. So what we have is a multifunctional vitality beverage. Mm -hmm. So it gives you um, a, a range of benefits um, health benefits, um, cognitive benefits, um, biochemical benefits, physiological benefits, uh, energy, activity, muscle recovery, um, oxygen saturation, a whole range of benefits that you'll get, um, immunity. Uh, in a COVID environment, uh, one, it helps keep you healthy. Uh, it helps keep you energised. It uh, helps with your immune system. So a, a wide range of benefits in that regard. And then in terms of... Um, the commercial side of it, um, we, you know, we've, we've got a very good presence um, on Amazon in Australia, for example, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's a, obviously more of an important market at the moment as people going out less and people are getting more things online and, and home delivered. So we're, we're looking at that aspect. So the last time that I spoke with Kanguru, you had just launched into South Korea with Bingray and you were looking to target the tonics crowd as well as the late night crowd, if I'm not wrong. So how has all of this been going so far? Well, it's still, it's still relatively early days. COVID's having a bit of an impact. Uh, South Korea um, is again locked down. Um, mm. There was an outbreak in South Korea with um, uh, uh, a nightclub in a, in a mm. popular area, for example. That's created some issues. At the moment, we're in um, about 20,000 convenience stores. Um, and but we're still we're still a new product. We're still um, unknown to a large degree. It's uh, for us at the moment. It's about getting uh, our brand out there, making people aware of what we have, making people aware of how we're different, making people aware of how we're better. I understand that you have retained your full-time day job as a doctor, an ophthalmologist, in addition to heading Kanguru. So, I mean, the first question that needs to be asked here, of course, is how do you find the time for everything? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, so, so, um, I spent a lot of time initially, um, before, um, clinic, um, and after clinic, um, and, and weekends, um, initially, um, and then, um, you know, I'm, I'm first and foremost a medical practitioner. So, um, you know, it, it is new to me, um, the, uh, mm. FMCG beverage space. Uh, I enjoy learning it. It's, um, I've been doing medicine for 30 years. Um, I'll always do medicine. I find the time by finding the right people that uh, can come and join um, my team. 
I think the other thing, of course, is that, you know, you know, when you're developing the drink, when moving sort of like into FMCG and things like that, did you in any way find your skills as a medical doctor useful when it came to the beverage development and innovation? Well, I think my medical background helped me um, with um, naivety, I suppose, <laughs> first point. Um, <laughs> sort of, you don't, uh, you don't necessarily realise what you're getting into. Um, you think you do, but you don't really. <laughs> um, so, so there's that. Um, obviously, it helped me with the formulation. Uh, it helped me with understanding um, the biochemical aspects, um, the chemistry aspects. There's a lot of chemistry, organic chemistry, and the like um, um, through university. So, it helped me with all of that. Beyond that, um, day to day side of things, you know, I'm used to working with staff in, in big corporations, in hospitals, and the like. It helps me in that regard. But um, uh, I'm learning something new every day sometimes my naivety in some regards can help bring out the best in people because I might ask questions that um, may initially mm. seem obvious, but uh, when you think about them, are not so obvious. Mm. Um, so there's that. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that uh, it helps me. Uh, it help, obviously helps give the, uh, the product some degree of respect and authenticity, mm. um, as it should. You know, when I hear about, um, oh, have you heard about this drink or that drink? I am not worried at all um, because I think that kangaroo has a very wide moat. It's actually a very complicated process to produce it. Um, it's, it's not just uh, a simple manufacturing process. In fact, it took us almost 18 months to work mm. with our OEM in South Korea to get um, the product produced in a reproducible consistent manner mm -hmm. because it's because it's made from botanicals even just when you collect it um, we, we source it from the same location each time for mm -hmm. consistency but if it's if it's summer or winter for example can make mm -hmm. some slight nuances in the uh, ingredients and therefore in the taste so it has a has very much a, a handcrafted um, feel to it and that's that's the reality of the drink because it's uh, because it is uh, from nature because it is um, with botanicals uh, that you get that slight um, fluctuation or, or handcrafted feel to it. There had to be some sorts of, you know, personal and professional challenges that you saw along the way. Is there anything you could highlight in this? Well, the personal challenges, I think, primarily um, is the time commitment for me. That's the hard one with my busy medical practice and my, my family commitments. Um, so that's the hard, that, was a, that was the hardest in that regard. Professionally, I think just trying to work out how the, uh, how the system works um, because it's not straightforward. Um, I don't, didn't understand retail. I didn't understand um, uh, district distributors. Um, I didn't understand various channels. Is there anything that you wish you had known when you started out in the beginning and anything that you might have changed if you had known this from the start? Yes, I wish I had known how difficult it was going to be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew how to start a startup and grow it um, rather than going out to gung-ho um, at the start. We did originally start with some sales uh, reps in each state in Australia, for example, mm -hmm. um, which was very um, capital uh, intensive, uh, mm -hmm. lots of costs and so on. And you think, oh, I, I want to get the product into as many outlets as I can. That's that's the key. But it's, mm -hmm. it's you're better off having a, a much smaller number of outlets and getting better velocity through those outlets um, than, than the reverse and having many more outlets but much slower velocity. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that was a critical learning point for me. Um, I think learning how to 
um, manage your cash flows is is one of the other critical things that um, any any startup or any entrepreneur needs to be aware of um, uh, because you don't want to have the best the best product out there um, and uh, run out of cash you don't want to be like it's, it's the old beta VHS um, videotape situation where beta was a better format but um, uh, VHS won the day um, through money and marketing and the like. So um, we've, got, we've got to be very conscious of that. One of the other uh, things I think that I learned would, was um, if you're going to launch a product um, in a country, you would probably choose Australia last. <laughs> oh, why? Why is that? Uh, from the point of view of um, if we look at, if we compare, for example, Australia to South Korea, um, Australia has about 25 million people and South Korea has twice that. Mm-hmm. But the geographical spread of South Korea is fits down in just in um, Southeast Queensland, for example. So um, Australia is this very vast, wide, large country. And just the logistics of getting your product around the country um, to less and less people. Um, I say, I want, I want you know, this person in such and such a location to have my drink. But it's just not economical to get the drink there at this point in time. Um, so I think for that reason is why Australia is a very difficult market to, uh, to succeed in and certainly a difficult market to launch in as, in, as, a, as a new brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I am, and the brand is, is Australian, so uh, mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of choice. <laughs> <laughs> if you had the choice, though, would you think you'd have chosen South Korea first? Oh, that's a difficult one because it is an Aussie brand. It's got it's, it's the Aussie name Kangaroo. But if I wasn't, um, you know, if I wasn't um, tied to the tied to Australia in terms of um, the branding and the name and, and so on, um, then and with what I know now, um, if you were going to launch a new product, um, then I would uh, I would do that probably somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I guess the next question is. Um, what is next for you and Kangaroo? Like, uh, where do you see yourself and the company in the next 12 months and maybe five years down the line from here? Well, I've got um, part of my uh, R&D that I did when I was developing the product. So I have a range of uh, other variants and innovations uh, for the product. Um, it's just a matter of timing for those flavors and, and other secret sources, shall we say. <laughs> um, just getting... Um, more growth in uh, the current two markets is the plan. We're in quite a quite a lot of stores, as you know, in South Korea at the moment. But we want to drive um, recognition and drive velocity in those locations, and look at e-commerce side of things um, in South Korea. In Australia, grocery, for example, um, there's two main grocery um, businesses in Australia with Woolworths and Coles. So to get into one of them, for example. Mm-hmm. We're in um, uh, a lot of IGAs, we're in Drake's, and we get good results there. Um, but that's probably the next focus in uh, for Australia. If we talk about five years down the line, um, how many sort of variations can we expect to be on shelves by then? Oh, five years? Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I would think we'd be looking at a good dozen for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think a good dozen for sure. We'll bring out we'll bring out something we'll bring out something next year in twenty twenty one for sure. It's just um, it's just it's just a matter of timing and um, as again you got to do things at the right time and you've got to watch that cash early. Watch <laughs> that cash.
All right. All right. Sure. So I guess just one more thing, which is do you have any advice for those entrepreneurs out there who might be wanting to make a big change, you know, swap industries or, you know, even like yourself, add industries as they want to go down the entrepreneurship path? Look, I think being an entrepreneur is fantastic, but it's, it's very challenging. Um, I think that if it was easy, everybody would do it. And it's certainly not easy. Um, you're going to have, uh, for every one win, you're going to have about 99 losses. It can be heartbreaking and you just have to have a, a, an absolute determination. That's the first thing. As equally important, I think, to that, Pearlie, is um, you have to have uh, something which is um, valuable or worthwhile that, you, that you're doing, something that you believe in, something that you know is substantial, that is uh, a real alternative or better. Um, than what your competitors might be or whatever competitive market you're going to be going into. I think, I think they're the two things you've got to have at the start. And then, the, then from there, obviously, um, we've talked about the financial side. You have to be able to su support it, um, which is um, also why, why I keep um, fixing up uh, eyeballs. And uh, I think that, uh, and then the fourth thing is, um, is, is people around you that can... Um, uh, compliment and support uh, support you and uh, that bring skill sets that you don't have because you're not going to have you're not going to have it all all right thank you so much for joining me today dr kitchen i had a great time speaking with you thank you also everyone for listening to this podcast as well and i wish everyone a great day ahead for food navigator asia this is pearly signing out <laughs>